0: following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
1: Greetings, this is Travis Vengroff, the producer and sound designer behind the White Vault, Imperial. Imperial is a full self-contained story that takes place within the White Vault universe, which means that if you enjoy it, we've created many more audio adventures just like it. We're about to take you on a journey into China, the Qing Dynasty in the 1700s to be specific. During this time in history, the Kangxi Emperor commissioned Jesuit explorers to map out the whole of China. Our story follows one such team comprised of Father Martin Vaz, Brother Benedetto Harbardian, and their servant Anthony, as they meet Jingwei Cheng, the son of a local magistrate. You are about to hear our second episode, which is rated PG for Horror Elements, as the team has finally reached Tsitsihar. You're also going to hear portions of the episode in Portuguese, Italian, Mandarin, and even Manchu, the language of the dynasty that is now nearly extinct. The White Vault Imperial is a premium show, meaning that it is only available on our Patreon or our Himalaya Premium community, outside of this preview. So get ready for a journey through history in the White Vault, Imperial.
2: Imperial. Episode 2. There are no accounts included among those surviving documents if ever written from the Jesuits, their servants or their guides during the travel from Beijing to Tzichihar. The journey to Tzichihar, the city now called Chichihar in Heilongjiang, would have taken several weeks minimum. The trail spans several provinces and over 1,200 kilometers by foot, Or an even greater distance if using waterways. The first document I believe to come after their trip was by brother Benedetto.
3: 15 settembre, anno di Nostro Signore 1711. Finalmente mi sento rigenerato dopo gli ardui viaggi da Pechino a Zizigar. Qui ho trovato pochi cibi di mio gradimento. Anthony 15th of September, year of our Lord, 1711. I finally feel recovered from our arduous travels from Peking to Tsitsihar. Here, I find fewer foods to my liking, but Anthony is a skilled cook and has created many foods that remind me fondly of my time in Goa. Tsitsihar is a city very unlike that of Peking. In no way a statement for the negative. Surely it is smaller, but it has a life and culture all its own, demonstrating yet again the vast reaches of the Empire of China. Here, in but a single province, commerce and life includes more tongues than I speak, and Manchu, of which I know little, is the predominant tongue. Tzitzhi has recently become the seat of the military governor for this province, and, as such, the barrack and garrison here stand as one of the last large-scale gatherings of military presences for the Empire. The life here bustles, even into the night, and there are many kinds of drinks of which the locals are willing to share. The city lies on crossroads and is constantly brimming with trade. Incoming caravans from Moscovia bring a bounty of furs and an interesting selection of luxuries from the West. I was particularly struck by a gold rosette of quality Portuguese design, which Father Martim tells me was crafted with imported gold from mines in Brazil. The rosette will likely be carted or shipped to a local Chinese official, and if it finds its home upon the attire of a fine Chinese woman, it will have traveled half the circumference of God's earth. A simple wonder of our modern age. Father Martim having discussed Tzihar previously with officials in Peking, brought myself and Anthony to see the local Bukui mosque. I know little of the history of Islam in China, but he tells me that the earliest he knows of its introduction dates to the Tang Dynasty. He speaks of the mosque highly, as I believe he sees it as an enduring marker of a willingness for the Chinese people to adopt and learn our Western religions and doctrine. We are required to be accompanied by an official of the Empire as part of the agreement, as there is still some resistance to the spread of Christianity. Soon we are to meet the official who was chosen to guide and accompany us on our cartographic expedition. His name is Ching Wei Cheng, and he is said to possess some experience in the areas of our journey.
2: The next document comes from the records kept by Jing Wei Cheng with a date at the end. Most of his reports are written in Mandarin or Manchu. His official reports to local offices and empire were documented in the official language of the Qing dynasty, Manchu, but his personal documents were written in what was most likely his native language, Mandarin. The following is the remaining segment of an official log and thus written in Manchu.
0: Anangi Jombura, Alban Gaira, Guruni Baita, Anangi Baita de Donjifi, A busy day for mediation, taxation, and foreign relations within the county. Here are notes on the recent activities of Qixi for its County Magistrate regarding those matters left unresolved. Near the end of the day, we were informed of a most unsettling matter addressed at the end. On mediation, Hu Tan, a farmer south of the city, has raised a family dispute with the land claimed by his brother's family. There is an orchard of fruit-bearing trees consisting of 42 rows, of which he says 30 belong to him. The brother claims that those which lay along the lines of the land may now belong to his allotment. A runner has been dispatched to survey the landlines, and the matter remains unresolved until our official survey review. On taxation, the quantity of foreign trade goods has increased, and the tariffs and taxes paid in accordance. More trade caravans from Russia arrived in the last 10 days than had arrived in the previous 30. One foreign trader, without knowledge of the official monopoly on the trade and sale of salt, attempted to bring in barrels of luxury spiced salts. He and his goods have been held until an appropriate ruling can be considered on the definition of the items as general foreign trade or salt trade. On foreign relations... There are two particular matters of note regarding foreign relations. The first is the arrival of a mapping expedition team, two Jesuits from Europe and their servant, who are under orders from the Emperor to continue the previous map made of the Greater Hingan Mountain region. As I have noted earlier, I will be joining the small mapping expedition, though the departure has been delayed due to the following event. A soldier from the local garrison, Yuan Lan, has been found murdered and his body placed within an abandoned trade cart near the northern entrance. Guards on the entrances to the city have now been doubled and no foreigners are permitted to leave until the murderer is located or the order is given to reopen the roads. The income of local supplies and caravans will continue uninterrupted. Similarly to the county magistrate himself, I believe the murder to be the result of the recent influx of foreign traders. While we have caught the salt merchant, there are always those incoming with illicit goods or intentions that are not welcome here in Sitihar or in the Great Land of the Emperor. Previous crimes committed have proven this to be an apt point of view, as these incoming merchants and traders have little knowledge of our customs or manners. Until this has been resolved, I am responsible for the housing and protection of the Jesuit scholars. Certainly, with blessings from the Emperor, they may be more accustomed to our polite society. The year is 1711, August 5th, under Emperor Kangxi's ruling.
2: Next is a brief entry by Father Martin, several days later.
4: 22 de setembro, ano do Nosso Senhor, 1711. O nosso atraso aqui em Tzitzihar durou vários dias, devido à trágica e inesperada circunstância do assassinato do jovem soldado. Como nenhum estrangeiro está autorizado a sair, embora certamente o irmão Benedetto e eu não estejamos 22 de setembro, ano de Valor, 1711. O nosso deslizamento aqui em Tzitzihar já passou por vários dias agora, por causa da trágica e desesperada circunstância do jovem soldado as no foreigners are permitted to live, though surely Brother Benedict and myself are not suspect of the crime. We have spent our additional time in Tzitihar forging preparations for our journey. We have suffered several delays in our expedition up to this point, but the Lord has heard our prayers, and now the matter of the murder is coming to its resolution. After a discussion with Jingwei over supper, we have learned the truth of the matter, and it is upsetting to proper sensitivities. A foreign trader who had come from the Muscovy Road was found sneaking into a warehouse during close trade hours, accessing several crates. Originally he was detained for attempted thievery, but the guards then inspected the crates he attempted to rob. Instead of finding plundered goods, the guards found two children in the crate. Upon further examination, three crates were found to contain children in various states of intoxication, totaling seven Chinese children. The children were malnourished, hungry, and of ill complexion and it is thought that the trader was attempting to smuggle them out of China for trade back west. The murder guard, having caught the men several nights before, had suffered for his attempt to enact justice. Jingwei assured us that the children will be returned to where they came from, yet the whole of the ordeal leaves many questions unanswered. Now that the travel restriction is to be lifted, God willing, we will leave for our expedition
1: in the days to come.